So the Bible says in verse number one, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. To him to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than, than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Well, let's pray together tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Galatians and how, um, how important it is uh, for us to understand these things. And Lord, I pray that you would guide us into all truth tonight and uh, help us, Lord, to apply these truths to our church, but also to us individually. And we'll thank you for all you do. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Uh, several weeks ago, we started this series called Marks of a Healthy Church. And what we've been doing is, is taking the, the churches of the New Testament that are highlighted, especially through the uh, epistles there that the Apostle Paul wrote and others, and, um, and uh, finding out what they complement and, and going, well, look, let's, let's make sure that we have that same attribute and characteristic and quality into, in, our, in our own church here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. And so uh, the idea is not that we should be looking at other churches out in this, in this world, but let's look at the Bible and find out uh, what God commends and what God uh, highlights and, and uh, praises in a church and make sure that we're having those same characteristics as a church as well. And so we've looked at the, uh, the first church of Jerusalem. Remember, we spent three weeks looking at that uh, that church there in the book of Acts, chapter 2, at the end of that chapter, is it uh, that first church began its, uh, began its ministry, and we looked at the different characteristics there. We looked at the church at Philippi. We looked at the church at Thessalonica. We've looked at the church of Colossae. And now we come to the book of Galatians. And uh, so we've looked at one church each week, right? Well, tonight we're going to look at a multiple uh, group of churches, uh, because the the book of Galatians was not written to the church at Galatia, it's written to the churches of Galatia. Look in verse number two, and Paul's writing here, and all the brethren which were with me unto the churches, plural, of Galatia. So this uh, this epistle, this letter was written to a, a group of churches there in this region of Galatia. And uh, there's, there's some debate about exactly which ones, so we won't go into that tonight because we want to get into the meat of the message. Um, but these, these churches is who uh, Paul is uh, writing to. Now, normally in, as we go through this, this series, we've kind of looked at different good qualities that the Apostle Paul is highlighting and commending them and praising them for and kind of patting on the back before he gets into the rebuke. rebuke. Uh, he doesn't really have any of that in the, with, with this particular letter. He kind of skips all the niceties and says, we don't have time for that because there's something really pressing and urgent that needs to be addressed uh, that's going on in these churches here. And so he doesn't have any you know, nice, hey, how you doing? I've heard how great everything's going over there. I do have a couple things to address. Uh, like the church of Philippi, I mean, he couldn't really say enough good things about them. Uh, but when he gets to the churches of Galatia, he, he doesn't think of anything good to say about them because uh, there's some real doctrinal uh, issues going on in the church that he has to address. And he, he doesn't mince any words. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't, you know, give a nice introduction and then goes into He just goes right into it. Uh, he, he, he just jumps into it. So uh, let's, uh, so tonight there's not any compliments that we can learn from in these churches, but uh, there are rebukes that we can learn from and make sure that we avoid those, 
those mistakes that this church was making and, and learn some things from this book that hopefully uh, will not have a letter written to us um, or the Lord would not want to write a, a letter like this to us, that we would uh, prevent that from happening by including these particular qualities in our church. What are these qualities that I want to focus in on tonight? Well, let's jump into it. Number one, uh, a healthy church uh, is committed to the true gospel. A healthy church is committed to the true gospel. The main reason that this letter was written to these churches and, and that it was so sharp uh, was because Paul was wanting to protect the purity of the gospel. Uh, look in verse number 6, he said, he said to them, I mean, after five just quick verses, to basically remind them who he was as an apostle and that he did indeed have, have authority to tell them the truth. Um, and then he reminds them of what Christ did for them on the cross in verse number 4. Then he goes and jumps into it right now in verse number 6. I marvel. He says, I, I am blown away. My mind just cannot conceive this. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. He's like, I cannot believe, that the, can't fathom that this would happen. You know, you understood the gospel at one point. Now you've left that and departed uh, from that gospel unto another gospel. Verse 7, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Now, this is super strong language, and Paul is using as strong of language as he can because this is of utmost importance. Getting the gospel correct is absolutely essential. This is not just a, oh, yeah, well, it's, you know, I kind of understand what the gospel is, but he says, you have perverted it, and as a result, uh, those who do need to be accursed. And then he repeats it, just in case they weren't paying attention, just in case they didn't get it the first time, just in case they were kind of like, okay, that's just the Apostle Paul getting on his hobby horse. He said, look, as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which he have received, let him be accursed. Uh, Paul often uses repetition to emphasize his, uh, his meaning here, and, and he certainly do, does that with this particular topic because the gospel is of utmost importance. It, it cannot be overemphasized and overstated how important the gospel is. Uh, now, Albert Burns and his, Barnes, in his commentary on the word accursed here, he says, it is not improperly here rendered accursed or devoted to destruction. So let him be devoted to destruction. Uh, the Greek word is anathema. It's, it's basically, you know, the curse of all curses. Um, it's not improperly here rendered accursed. The object of Paul here is to express the greatest possible abhorrence of any other doctrine than that which he had himself preached. So great was his destitution of it that Luther says this, he casteth out the very flames of fire, and his zeal is so fervent that he beginneth almost to curse the angels. Now, Paul is understandably upset and, and frustrated with this church, or these churches, I should say, because they've adopted this false gospel. And so, as Cornerstone Baptist Church, as we continue to serve the Lord here and more, we have to have a commitment to the true gospel. What does that entail? Well, first of all, we must understand what it is. We must understand it. We must understand what the true gospel is. Now, most of us have heard the fact that the word gospel means what? Anybody know what the word gospel means? Good news, right? And it is indeed good news, especially once we discover what the gospel is. Now, if we just stop there and say, well, that's the gospel is good news. Well, you getting a raise tomorrow is good news, but is that the gospel? No. Now, you might be thinking, hey, praise the Lord, that is good news. <laughs> um, but that's not the gospel. Here's what the gospel is, and I'd like to invite everybody to turn over and look at it for yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because the Bible defines what the gospel is. 
I like our church family to know what the Bible says the gospel is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 1. Paul wanted the church at Corinth to know what the gospel was. And so he uh, shares with them in in, uh, chapter 15 what it is. Chapter 15, verse number 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye also have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Okay, what is... That, so he talks about the importance of the gospel here, by, and that's by which we are saved. But here in verse number 3 and 4 is the gospel. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So the gospel is the death the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If someone is to be saved, they need to believe the gospel. They need to believe that Jesus died for them, was buried, and rose again the third day, again, according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. We must understand what it is. Uh, We're saved through Christ alone, plus nothing, minus nothing. Uh, Romans 11, verse 6, and uh, if you read, uh, just as a side note, this is, this is extra, all right? The, the book of Romans and the book of Galatians are companion letters. Both address this importance of salvation uh, by grace. Both are important to understand salvation. Um, but Romans here, as Paul writes that to the church at Rome, he says, In verse number 6 of chapter 11, he says, And if by grace, this is a little bit of a tongue twister of the Bible. This is the tongue twister verse of the Bible. And if by grace, and it is, I'm going to read it real fast just to show you how tongue twister it is, all right? And if by grace, and it is no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace, otherwise work is no more work. Tongue twister. And uh, what did he just say? He just said, it's either all of grace or it's all of work or all of works. You cannot have both. You cannot say, well, it's works and grace together. And what was happening in the churches of Galatia, this this idea of the gospel was, was being perverted, saying that you have to do certain things. Yes, the gospel is salvation in Christ, but also uh, you have to still keep the traditions of the law. And Paul was addressing it and said, absolutely not. So it's, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace really isn't even grace. But if it be works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. It's one or the other. You can't have both. And of course, most of us are familiar with Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves... It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But the very next verse says this. Is my mic kind of popping? Yep. You want me just to lose the mic? It stopped. It just stopped altogether. Oh, it stopped popping. Okay. No more Pop-Tarts for me. Uh, okay, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, right? Oh, there it goes again. What's that? I'm not, I'm not allowed to lean in. I think that's what it is. No more leaning. No more leaning. All right. Verse number 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to stand up straight and tall now. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So here we are. I mean, no, we're not saved by works, but God has saved us unto good works. You see, salvation cannot be earned through works, but once we're saved, now we need to be involved in good works. 
Um, the church of Galatia felt like, and, and they, were, they were learning that salvation had to be earned through good works. Oh, yeah, and salvation in Christ. But they were mixing the two, and there, there's no room for mixture. But the, the balance on that is uh, the book of James deals with the other ditch, the faith that, that faith should produce works in our lives. Um, because the idea is that once we're saved, well, now I don't have to do anything because I'm saved. I am, I'm going to heaven. I've got my ticket to heaven. My sins are forgiven. Sweet. Now I don't have to do anything. Well, the idea, no, is, look, we've been saved unto good works now. We, need, we now need to exercise works. Faith without works is dead. It doesn't mean that you have to have works in order to get to heaven. Um, so we need to understand the gospel, the true gospel, and that is we are saved through Christ alone, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and that is it. Uh, plus nothing, minus nothing. And the church there, in, in the churches of Galatia did not understand that, and that's one of the main reasons that Paul is writing this uh, letter to them. And so Cornerstone Baptist Church, we need to understand what the gospel is. But not only do we need to understand it, we need to preach it. Back in Galatians chapter 1, let's look at a few of these verses here. In verse number 8, he said, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, verse 9, If any man preach any other gospel unto you, and then verse number 11, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. So we need to preach the gospel, the true gospel. Now, Paul's not saying that preaching and declaring the gospel shouldn't happen. He's just making the point that the true gospel must be the one that's actually being preached, being declared, being given out. And uh, you say, well, yeah, that's good for you, Pastor. I mean, you're the one that's preaching the gospel. Oh, no, I'm not the only one preaching the gospel. I'm not the only one called to preach the gospel I'm part of the body and all of us. I'm a believer, and that's why I'm called to preach the gospel. And if you're a believer, you've been called to preach the gospel too. Um, Jesus said in uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say, okay, all the pastors have to preach the gospel. He was saying that to his disciples. He was saying that to you and to me. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a Bible college education or not. It doesn't matter if you, you know, have an ordination or not. It doesn't matter if you're a believer in Christ, you've been called to preach the gospel. And so we must preach it. Now, when you're preaching, you better make sure that it is indeed the true gospel and that you're not adding things to it. And we can go on and talk about different religions and, and uh, how they, they, they do add to it and they add works to it. And you've got to be a member of their church in order to get to heaven and have God forgive your sins. That, you know, we, we, you all know all that, and, and that's for a different time. But uh, we need to preach the gospel. We need to preach the true gospel and making sure that it is indeed the true gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and that's it. So we must understand it. We must preach it, but we also must live it. We must live it. Yes, we can preach it, but we've got to live the gospel that we preach. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 14. This is a, a warning to me as a pastor and as a preacher, but also to all of us who are called to preach as well. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 14. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. My life should match the message. My manner of life should match the message of my lips. And so... Uh, that's the case for all of us as we go out into our community. And many of you have jobs working with unsaved folks. Boy, what an opportunity God has given you to be a missionary, to preach the gospel to your company, to your place of employment. What an opportunity for you to be an ambassador for Christ. But you better make sure that your life is backing up uh, your message that you're preaching. Uh, now, again, no one's going to be perfect in here. That's not what I'm saying. But our life needs to reflect the gospel, not just our lips, but our life needs to reflect the gospel as well. Philippians 1.27, Paul talked to the church at Philippi, and he said, 
Only let your conversation or your manner of life be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. It needs to match up with the gospel. There shouldn't be this disconnect between what we're saying and how we're living. There needs to be a congruence there. Uh, there, there needs to be uh, a matching of that. Our, our message and our life has to match up. So we must live it. All right, so the, the, in Paul's letter to the churches of Galatia, he said, look, you need to be committed to the true gospel. And, and Cornerstone Baptist Church, that's what we need to be. We need to be committed to the true gospel. And making sure that we don't get sidetracked and believing some weird heresy or some uh, slight difference, we need to make sure that we are staying true by the stuff. Uh, because, again, Paul uses some strong language in verse eight, verses 8 and 9 and says, look, if we tweak the gospel, you are playing with very, you're in very dangerous territory. We need to make sure that we are very careful and precise when it comes to the gospel. All right? Secondly, a healthy church, as we look through the book of Galatians here, and we're not going to go through everything. There's a lot more that we could pull out, but there's four that I wanted to pull out. That was number one. Number two is a healthy church walks in the Spirit. A healthy church walks in the Spirit. For this, we'll go all the way to chapter number five. Um, a healthy church walks in the Spirit. Let's look in verse number 16. Here, Paul again is talking to these churches, and he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We really have two choices as we live our Christian lives. We either walk in the Spirit, or we walk in the flesh. Really, there's only two shoes we can put on. And uh, which one are you going to put on after you leave church today? I know all of us are, you know, walking in the Spirit because we're here, you know. Uh, but when you are on your own and you have to make your own choices, which are you going to walk in? Are you going to walk in the, in the Spirit or are you going to walk in the flesh? Someone wrote a little thing here and it, it said, Two natures dwell within my breast. The one is foul and the other blessed. The new I love, the old I hate, but the one I feed will dominate. And uh, you see, the, 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 the two natures that we have as, as believers, we have the new nature and we have the old nature that still resides within. And the one that we uh, invest in is the one that's going to come out. And Paul here mentions that in verse number 17 about the war that takes place in our lives between the flesh and the spirit. Verse 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Um, there's a war that takes place and the one that you feed the most is going to win. The one that you uh, spend more time investing in is the one that's going to win those battles when they come. And they do come uh, for all of us. I read about uh, a lady named Chloe Jennings White. Uh, this, is a, this is a pretty strange story. And for most, the idea of being wheelchair-bound would be a nightmare, but not so for this lady named Chloe Jennings White. It would be her dream come true. Uh, she was a 58-year-old, able-bodied woman who longs, yes, longs to lose the use of her legs. She says she's been dreaming of becoming a paraplegic since she was just four years old after visiting with a relative who was confined to a wheelchair. She was so driven to become disabled, she had engaged in many dangerous activities like extreme downhill skiing in the hopes of accidentally, on purpose, injuring herself. Very strange. She once even rode her bike off a ledge, injuring herself badly, but not quite badly enough. When she realized that she could have hit her head and died or broken her neck and lost the use of both legs and arms, she decided to pursue a more controlled means to disability. So she sought the help of a surgeon to sever the nerves to her legs. She found one willing to perform the surgery, but doesn't, she didn't have the nearly $20,000 necessary for the operation. Can you imagine spending $20,000 to lose the use of your legs on purpose? That is not normal whatsoever. 
Um, Chloe has been indeed diagnosed with a very rare psychiatric condition called Body Integrity Identity Disorder, or BID for short. Sufferers believe that permanent disability is their natural, most comfortable state as well as their destiny. Now, as believers, we're called to walk in the Spirit, yet many of us feel more natural or comfortable walking in the flesh. It's like voluntarily confining ourselves to a wheelchair when we could be climbing on the mountaintops. The notion is as foolish as it is spiritually unhealthy, a virtual form of bid, believer integrity identity disorder. I mean... Why would you want to live in a wheelchair, spiritually speaking? But that's what we do when we walk in the flesh. When we fail to feed the Spirit, we fail to grow in our walk with Christ, uh, we, in essence, put ourselves and we disable ourselves from really fulfilling God's potential for our lives. Look, when we walk in the flesh, we're going to produce the fruit or the works of the flesh. Look here in verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. And it goes on. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But when we walk in the Spirit, though, we then produce the fruit of the Spirit. Look in verse number 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So we're called here to walk in the Spirit. And when we do, when the pressures and temptations of life come, what's going to come out is the fruit of the Spirit. But if we're walking in the flesh and the pressures and temptations of life come, it's going to produce the works of the flesh. Okay, help me out tonight. If I had an orange here and I squeezed it, what's going to come out of that orange? Orange juice. Thank you. Are you sure grape juice isn't going to come out of that? You're sure? He's sure. Okay. What if I had a lemon? What would come out of that if I squeezed it really hard? Lemon juice. Boy, nothing gets past these kids. These kids are sharp tonight. When you're walking in the flesh and life begins to squeeze you, what's going to come out? The fruit of the flesh, which we read about in verses 19 through 21. A whole laundry list of sin and, and uh, horrible things that bring regret and scars in life. We're walking in the Spirit, the pressures and temptation of life come, and it squeezes us, what's going to come out? Well, verse 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, uh, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. So life is going to press you. You're going to face temptation, and you're going to feel the pressure of life. But when we're walking in the Spirit, what comes out? Well, the fruit of the Spirit. When you're walking in the flesh... What comes out? The fruit of the flesh. So what's it going to be? Are you going to walk in the flesh? Or are you going to walk in the spirit? Paul here is telling the churches of Galatia to indeed walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then in verse number 25, he ends this whole passage here. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So he kind of bookends this whole passage with the idea that we need to walk in the spirit. So a healthy church walks in the Spirit. I hope that we are doing that as a church. Number three, another thing that, uh, another quality of a healthy church that we find here in this, this book that he writes to these churches is, number three, serve one another by love. A healthy church serves one another by love. And this is found in, uh, and also in chapter five, in uh, verse number 13. He says, for brethren, ye have not been called unto liberty, only, uh, I'm sorry, you've been called unto liberty. And we used to say that when we were, I was part of Liberty Baptist Church. You know, hey, you've all been called to Liberty Baptist Church. Uh, anyway, for brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Use 
only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. In verse 14, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You see, our, our commitment to the true gospel should lead us as believers to serve one another by love. It should be a natural response. It shouldn't be this coerced, you know, deal uh, where we're, you know, twisting each other's arms to love one another and to serve one another, but it should be a natural byproduct of, uh, of who we are in Christ. Uh, you ever notice that there's a lot of, you know, and, and maybe you've noticed this and those who work in the secular field, how there's a lot of leadership training out there and you've got to take a lot of these courses to learn how to be good leaders. Have you ever seen a training on how to be a good servant? <laughs> you probably haven't taken many classes like that or gone to many servanthood conferences. It's all these leadership conferences and, and learning how to be good leaders. But nowhere in the Bible does God lift up leadership. He lifts up servanthood. Uh, in fact, when Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room in the most intimate time with his disciples... Uh, before he was crucified, he chose to show them not how to be a dynamic leader or this motivational speaker or this tweet-worthy preacher. <laughs> he taught them how to be servants. And that's, that's what we need to be in our church, not these superstars and heroes, but we need to be servants. In Galatians chapter 5 here, Paul says to them, don't use liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but use that liberty to serve one another by love. Um, how is this shown? How are we able to show love? And, and there's a couple other verses here in this book that talk, a, talk about how we can serve one another by love. How do we display the servant's attitude and the servant's spirit to one another? Well, we can be burden bearers, be burden bearers. In uh, verse number, uh, chapter 6, verse number 1. He says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And then he says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. To be burden bearers. Be willing to carry one another's burdens. That All of us have burdens that we're carrying, and, and uh, we need to be careful not to carry so many burdens that of others that you know we fall over but but be willing to bear one another's burdens and don't just focus on your own burdens um you know everybody wants to talk about their own burdens and complaining about how bad they have it uh, why don't you find out what other people are going through so that you can help them through that uh, romans chapter 15 is another uh, instance here where paul tells us to uh, bear one another's burdens Romans 15, verse 1, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification, for even Christ pleased not himself, but as is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. So we need to be burden bearers. Romans 12 and verse 15 says, Rejoice with them that re do rejoice and weep with them that weep. This needs to be a community where we're bearing one another's burdens. Where we get to know one another to where we know the burdens are there. There's a lot of churches that the relationships are so, so shallow, you'll never know that someone is experiencing a burden. But help that not to be the case, Lord, here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. Help us to know one another so much that we know when someone's going through a burden and that we can indeed bear that burden. You know, that is one of the dangers of being part of a large church is the relationships are so, so shallow. You see each other to service, hi, brother. And, and you might even get their name if you are lucky. And that's it. And, and not, not to say that, that the large churches are bad or, or that you can't have this mentality in a large church. It can happen, but it has to be deliberate. You have to work at it. But let's make sure that we know one another so that we know when someone is having a burden. And going through a difficult time where we're not just everything's wonderful all the time because that's simply not the case and uh and folks let's be willing to be honest and not be that have the martyr complex and just say i'm going to deal with it all myself you're part of a church family for a reason 
There are people here who want to bear your burden and to help you and to encourage you, and you and I need that. So when you're going through a difficult time, I mean, we don't need to go around broadcasting it, but, but when there's a brother or sister that you trust, uh, share that burden because there's people who want to help bear that with you. And so I would say this, uh, don't smother people, but do what you can to bear one another's burdens. Here's some ways, simply praying for them. When you know that someone's going through a difficult time, indeed take the time to pray for them. Don't just say that you're going to pray for them, but actually pray for them. Um, Because, hey, I, I will pray for you is a wonderful statement, but what's even better is I prayed for you. Knowing that you actually did pray is a great encouragement versus a promise to pray that might actually not come to pass. Uh, Offer practical help. If there's a burden that you can do something practically to help ease that burden, uh, do what you can. Again, don't don't go crazy with this to where you you leave your family uh, stranded because you're so busy helping someone else that you forget to bear your own family's burdens. But, but seriously, let's not just always think about our own little sphere of world and our only slice of the pie. We're all part of the body. And again, when, when, my, when, when I cut my finger, what happens? I don't just look at it and say, well, that, that's too bad. No, I get some other members of my body, and I go get um, some salve on it, and, and I clean it out, and I wash it, and These members are doing what they can to bear the burden of this member right here. And and that's that's a picture of the church. When one one finger is cut and hurting, the other other fingers need to come over and help and be a blessing. I mean, my whole whole body gets into it, right? I walk over and and to the sink and wash it out, get some soap in there and wash it out. And and then I go walk over uh, to get some Band-Aids. And you get what I'm saying. That is a picture of how Cornerstone Baptist Church needs to be. When one member is hurting, let's, as a body, work together to bear the burdens of that other member. Even, perhaps, to the point where we help financially. Um, I, I appreciate uh, our deacons and, and uh, the board of trustees and, and uh, the generosity of these, uh, of these men to uh, do what we're preaching tonight, to bear burdens financially even, and I appreciate that. That is a blessing. We need to keep that going. So how do we serve one another by love? Well, we bear one another's burdens, and we also do good to others, do good to others. And this is found in, uh, in chapter 6 in verse number, uh, number 10, uh, Galatians 6.10. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith especially unto them who are the household of faith. That's our brothers and sisters here at our church. When you have an opportunity to do good, let's do it. Let's take advantage of that opportunity. Um, Let's do what we can to be a blessing. Again, not just when they're hurting, but just out of the blue, just because it's the right thing to do. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says this, See that none render evil for evil among any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Romans twelve thirteen verse 13. Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. So we need to be distributing to the necessity of those around us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 17. Charge them that are rich in this world. Okay, we'll stop time out right there. Charge them that are rich in this world. Guess what? That's you and that's me. We are rich in this world. There is no question on that. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. So don't be pompous and proud because God has blessed you. Um, And it's just because of God's goodness in your life that he has chosen to do that. But he could just as easily take it away as he gave it to you. Um, Just just look at the example of Job in that. So don't be high-minded. And it says, nor trust in uncertain riches. Don't place your trust in the finances that God has blessed you with. Again, God could take it away in a moment. And then he says, trust in the living God who giveth all, us richly all things to enjoy. And then here's what we're supposed to, he, uh, Paul 
or Timothy was supposed to charge those who are rich in this world to do. That they do good. That they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. So God has blessed us, not for us to hoard our blessings. I remember we went through our series, Bless a Blessed. One of the messages of that series was blessed to bless. The reason we're blessed is not so that we can walk around and brag about how blessed we are. The reason we're blessed is so that we can be a blessing to others. And the reason that God has blessed you financially is not so that you can, you know, accumulate more stuff for yourself, but that you can give more, that you can uh, be generous and good to others. In other words, I would say this, find ways to bless the people in this church. Look for opportunities to do good to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Here's just a couple ideas. There's plenty more that I'll let the Lord give you. But offer to have someone in your home for a meal. And we've talked about that a few times. Um, I would encourage you to get together with somebody and, and have a meal with them. If your house is not company ready, that's okay. Maybe meet at a restaurant or something and, and have a meal with someone. Develop that relationship. That is doing good to others when you show interest in someone else in our church. Um, I would say here another opportunity or another idea is to write an encouraging note or text, or email, or whatever form of communication you use. If you send direct messages through Instagram as your form of communication, then do that. Be a blessing and write an encouraging something, some way, to get to someone else in our church, okay? Um, How about just giving a gift to someone just because you were thinking about them and you want to be a blessing? You see, we need to serve one another by love, And we do that by bearing one another's burdens, and we do that by doing good, doing good to others. Fourth thought, and last thought for tonight, and that is a healthy church is faithful. A healthy church is faithful. Uh, Galatians 6 and verse number 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Let us not be weary in well-doing. And I believe at Cornerstone Baptist Church, we're well-doing right now. Now, that's not to say there's not room for improvement. Certainly there is. Um, Certainly we could do well more. Uh, But um, I I, I think we are doing well. And and I would just say this, let's keep doing well. Let's not get tired. And I know that there are seasons that get tiring. We just got through kind of a busy season with a missions conference and then the push for Easter, trying to get out those flyers. And, and it, it, was, it was kind of a lot. And then we have VBS coming up. I realize that there are seasons that are busy but, uh, and we can get tired. But don't get too tired to the point where we quit, where we give up. Let's stay faithful. Let's not quit. Proverbs 20 and verse number 6, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. There's a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm, we're a good church. God's looking for a faithful church. Uh, and he's looking for a church that's going to stay by the stuff and stay faithful. And he's looking for Christians who are willing to stay faithful as well. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Stay by the stuff. Stay faithful to Christ. Um, one of the biggest uh, boxing matches of the 20th century took place on November 25th, 1980. I was four years old. Yes, I am old. Um, took place on November... Okay, so this bo- big, biggest boxing match of the 20th century, and it took place at the Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. It was a rematch between Sugar Ray Leonard and Robert Duran. Duran had won the previous fight and was the favorite the second time around. He had a record of 72 wins and just one loss, and he had won his last 41 fights. That is some winning streak. Well, the rematch was a close fight. Only a point or two separated the two fighters on the judges' scorecards. But then something unthinkable happened in the eighth round that no one expected. Roberto Duran turned to the referee and spoke two words. 
Anybody know what those were? No mas. No more. That's Spanish for no more. You see, he quit. He wasn't injured. He wasn't cut. He was simply frustrated and he had enough. Here's a fighter who was one of the best to ever step into the ring. He won a total of 103 fights, but when anyone mentions his name today, the first thing that comes to mind is Nomas. People remember the day that he quit. Look, we've all had times we felt like saying Nomas, right? You might be in a time like that right now. Uh, Maybe when it comes to your health or finances or your relationships or whatever, Maybe you feel like saying, you know what, Lord, no moss, no more. I, I just can't carry on. Maybe you feel like quitting your job, quitting the class you teach, quitting on your marriage. Some people even give up God, on God. Unfortunately, every year, thousands of people in this country give up on life itself. Some of the greatest heroes of the Bible thought about giving up. Elijah did. And here's what he said. Here's what uh, is said about Elijah. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. By the way, this took place just after Elijah called down fire from heaven, won this wonderful, amazing spiritual victory. But right after that, a lady is mad at him. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't say lady, a woman. My wife says there's a difference between a woman and a lady, okay? <laughs> and I think that there's, that's accurate. So Jezebel, a woman... Uh, was mad at him and uh, was chasing him down, and all of a sudden he's running away from this woman. He went himself a, uh, went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. In other words, Elijah, in essence, said, No mas, I'm done. And uh, the Lord encouraged him, and he kept going, though. Job said, let the day perish when I, wherein I was born, in Job chapter 3. Jeremiah was known, for, known as the weeping prophet. He said, oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring men, that I might leave my people and go from them, for they be all adulterers and an assembly of treacherous men. He was tired of the battle. But they didn't quit, and I'm thankful that they didn't. Proverbs 25 and verse number 19, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. How many have ever had a broken tooth? Would you raise your hand? Anybody like that? Oh, there's several hands. Uh, I had a broken tooth. In fact, my two front teeth are fake. Not even real. You all thought they were. Fake news. (laughs) Fake as the day is long. This one right here is an implant. Had screws. I have a screw into my jaw right now that's holding this tooth into place. What happened when I was a young man, I was riding a skateboard on my knee. I don't know if that's why, how they intended a skateboard to be rode, but that's how I rode it. And I had a, a string tied to the back truck of that skateboard, and attached to that, uh, that little rope was a, a little wagon. And I was going real fast on my on my sidewalk, and, and there were uh, mailboxes on the sidewalk. Not sidewalks like they, or I mean, not uh, mailboxes like they have here that are, look like little houses <laughs> made out of concrete and bricks and all that. These were just little, little poles in the ground. And, uh, and I was going really fast one day, and, and uh, one of the times the... I went past the mailbox, the string went past the mailbox, but the wagon didn't. The wagon caught that mailbox pole, and so everything stopped except for Eric. (laughs) Eric kept going, and the first thing to hit the ground were my two front teeth. And so this broke pretty close to the gum line, and this one shipped real bad, and uh, I thought I was going to die. I mean, I really did. I thought the the whole world was going to end. And uh, it was terrible. A broken tooth was no fun. It's been expensive. It's caused problems. Uh, well, since I got this implant, it's been great. But other than that, from the time until I got the implant, it had caused problems and problems and expenses and expenses. Well, God says confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. When you and I aren't faithful, when you and I decide to quit in time of trouble, 
It's worse than a broken tooth. And so we need to be faithful. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4.2, I'm almost done, so thanks for hanging with me tonight. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found really talented. No. Really successful. No, that's not what it says. A man would be found, what? Faithful. Um, the Apostle Paul would know. You, you see, he experienced tremendous hardship and, ad, and adversity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he listed many of the trials and tribulations he faced in his ministry. And uh, I've listed it here, but for sake of time, I'm going to skip over it. You're welcome. Uh, but uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, or 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he lists a lot of the trials and difficulties that he experienced. I would encourage you to read that. And when you think you're having a bad day, just go, okay, well, maybe I don't really have that bad of a day because of what Paul experienced. But you see, he didn't quit in spite of it all. He stayed faithful. In fact, in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 6, Paul tells Timothy, I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. Look, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I've kept the faith. I've stayed faithful. See, these men overcame the temptation to quit and served God faithfully. So when you are tempted to quit, remember, you're in good company. But hang in there. Keep serving. Keep being faithful. Keep doing what God wants you to do. Don't be known for the time you decided to say, no mas. Uh, stay faithful all the days of your life. And can I just give you a quick encouragement, and then we'll wrap it up tonight? One day, George Mueller began praying for five of his friends to get saved. Uh, after many months, one of them came to the Lord. Ten years later, two others were converted. And it took 25 years before the fourth man was saved. George Mueller uh, persevered in prayer until his death for the fifth friend. And throughout those 52 years, he never gave up, hoping that he would accept Christ. Well, his faith was rewarded for soon after Mueller's funeral, the last one was saved too. So don't give up. Don't quit. Stay in the battle. And God will bless you for it. So, we'll wrap it up with this. Are these qualities true of us as a church, Cornerstone Baptist Church? Are we committed to the true gospel? Are we walking in the spirit? Are we serving one another by love? Are we being faithful? I hope the answer is yes, but it will only be yes if we individually are committed to the true gospel, if we are individually walking in the Spirit, if we are individually serving one another by love, and if we are individually being faithful. I hope that each of us will make those decisions to have these qualities evident in our individual lives.